Hello, it's PlayStation Unchained 144, and this week we are doing a PS3 special, because it's 10 years since the PS3 first came out in good old Japan, and wow. yeah, uh, the, on, by the time this comes out, will probably be the day, actually, the, the 15th of November, and uh, uh, what a magical day that was, even though we still had to wait several months after for the, <laughs> to get it out. <laughs> Remember those days when we got consoles after Japan? <laughs> uh, six months, wasn't it, or something like that? Something stupid. Um, no, we got it in March, I think it was. So, yeah, because I remember I got mine early April, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. It was still <laughs> like three or four months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a lot longer in the years before that. So, yeah. there you go. But, yes, it's obviously one of the longer console generations and... Frankly, Sony needed that in the end to catch up, as it turned out, because it was a a system that had many issues with uh, both with ego and on a technical level. It was a very powerful machine, but you had to have a certain degree of intelligence. They had Sega Saturn syndrome. Yes, they really did, and they were lucky. SSS. Oh my God! Metal Gear predicted the future. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Given the the event the last week, Metal Gear's Solid 2 has predicted some of the future too so it's uh, <laughs> all I'm waiting for is Donald Trump to turn up in a suit with uh, tentacle arms and, uh... I just found out he has his own theme song <laughs> what Donald Trump yeah <laughs> is it <laughs> no there's literally where we started the podcast I found out on Neogaf that he has his own theme song so I will have to listen to that afterwards I mean, he's becoming it, more like a supervillain every day. Is it living in America? <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a, a sort of Trump thing, doesn't he? Anyway, that, that's too much talk about that nonsense. Yeah. We're here to celebrate something, not commiserate in uh, uh, the inevitable downfall of human society. Well, that started uh, like when Brexit happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh Anyway, we'll, we'll get on with introductions first, of course, because we've been talking for five minutes and you don't know who we are. Well, unless, well to be fair, I think this is clearly the first one you've watched. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I am your host, Neil Walt, um, joined as ever by the mighty Ben Shillabill Hall, otherwise known as Chili. All right. All right. All right. And fresh back from the toilet it is <laughs> the Armenian Argonaut himself, Gary Bagdazarov. From the toilet? What the hell? That's rude. Man. <laughs> yeah, we did have to fight with him to tell him, no, no, don't bring your mic into the toilet. We can wait a few minutes. We also told him, you know, make sure you go before we go out into the trip to the podcast, you know. No, <laughs> turning cor- this car around. No, so the minute you start recording, I want to go, I want to go. It always happens. It's like kids, I don't know. <laughs> I hate you both. Hairy kids in their 30s. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> Why are we even friends? Oh, we're associates by uh, <laughs> with a common bond, which is there is no disagree. common bond. <laughs> yeah, we disagree. That's quite a common bond. Really. <laughs> oh my god! Your hatred brings you closer together. Yeah, okay. this is it. <laughs> yeah, we are like that that couple on a nineties um, sitcom where we hate each other for much of the runtime until suddenly we don't. It's uh, the will they won't they? But uh, with us, <laughs> anyway. Yes, as I was saying, we are talking about 
lots of games from the PS3 are good, mainly. I'm sure we'll probably come up against some bad ones and some disappointing ones, uh, or bad disappointing ones in the case of Hayes. And <laughs> so, yeah, I had to get the Hayes mention in very early. <laughs> Damn it. Because no, no PS3 podcast is complete without a mention of Hayes, it seems. Uh. So, well, as I said, we've had it had ups and downs of PS3 and some great titles near the end of its life. Definitely helped it yeah. to push forward. You know, PlayStation Plus happened, of course, which also which pushed was amazing. it. Through. Yeah, and you know, people often go on about how amazing it was and isn't now as a result. But, uh, yes, we're here to talk about the fantastic stuff mainly because, you know, a bit of positivity and probably disagreement because, you know, that's that's the way of things. So we'll go around and we'll pick a game each time and we'll talk about it if we all enjoy it we'll talk we'll talk about it if not we'll let ben talk about final fantasy 14 for half an hour (laughs) (laughs) so ben (laughs) that being said what would you like to pick first as one of your fondly remembered games of the ps3 um what's that game i play all the time i loved it so much it was one of my favorite games on the ps3 oh Bleach Soul Resurrection. There we go. I'll go with that first. Uh, it's I love me the Dynasty Warriors games, and I love some Bleach. So the fact that they mix the two up in a way kind of was nice. I wish. Though I also found it funny. It was based on the movie that never got released here for about a year and a half. I think it was. So you, you, the entire movie got spoiled because you, you know, it had already come out as a game. So yeah, Bleach. It was. It Bleach. wasn't too bad. It was a good one, but not a bad, not a bad one, but it was a good one. Yeah. Fantastic. It's, there you go. An out of left field choice straight away to show that we aren't all about the big games. As a recent voting has found out, the, yeah. the popular vote is a, a hard thing to get. Yeah, that first, the person that got first place was such an indie game that I never thought would get there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so this um, is my last choice of what I'd pick. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I don't. See how, I just don't get how anyone pick it, especially as you know. It's, it's the last it's, thing on my mind. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not give it away because by the time this goes out, the uh, full top fifty wouldn't have been revealed. So just uh, we we want people to find out, even though they probably know at least three of the top five at this point. Um, come on, Lair. <laughs> come on, Lair. Good for Lair. Uh, yeah, which yes, somebody did vote for and gave legitimate response for, oddly, because when someone votes for Leia, you do question why are you voting for Leia. I need to know you're not uh, kind of taking the piss, really. Um, Gary, you no. you you pick a game, and a game. A, you know we'll we'll go round and you can pick another one. Don't worry, you won't get to just pick one. <laughs> yeah, multiple. Okay. So okay, uh, Max Payne three. Uh, okay. Very easy for me to pick. Um, I love Max Payne. I love the first game. I absolutely adore the second game. The third game, I thought was never going to come out. Uh, I remember when it was announced on the Game Informer cover, and then it just vanished after that for like a year, and people thought it was canceled. And then it came back uh, better than it was before, from what I I remember reading. Yeah, um, it was. 
quite, quite negatively received originally, if I remember rightly. And then, yeah, it just won people over with the changes. Yeah, uh, they brought back the voice actor who wasn't part of the game when they were first building it. The, the first announcement, they had somebody else, so it's good they brought back the original Max Payne voice actor. Um, yeah, it's it was the perfect blend of action. Uh, I won't say it was the greatest story ever told, but it's a story we've seen before, but the way it was presented, I thought, yes, was definitely. Fantastic. Yeah, the um, way the way it came across with the uh, whole noir sort of voiceover stuff that had done well in the Max Payne series to that point, but with that more modern twist to, to it that they'd given it, it was just oh, just one. It just fit perfectly for the first time I felt in the series as well. As much as the other games had their good points, it really sort of melded together properly and became you know a very a more pure game with that sort of movie overtone rather than just like this is a game that likes to be a movie but isn't a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's just the character. You just feel so bad for him. It's at the point where, like, you look at the character of Max Payne, you're like, in, in the real world, somebody like that probably would have killed themselves a long time ago with all the <laughs> shit he's gone through. <laughs> Instead, he just you know takes everything that possibly damages body and goes into firefights. He surely shouldn't win. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, he, he's trying to think about killing himself at this point. I think. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was great. I love how they blended. Um, like the cutscene straight into the gameplay. Like you'll watch the cutscene and then we'll just randomly go into the gameplay. That was great. A lot of amazing set pieces. Uh, the music oh, yeah. was great. Um, yeah, everything about it. Even the multiplayer I thought was very fun. Yeah, again, another, yeah, it was another part of that sort of Rockstar progression of their multiplayer model uh, in Max Payne 3. The yeah, first time I really clicked, the, I thought. The, the reason the shooting is decent in gta 5 is because of max Payne 3 yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah the multiplayer like when they said they're gonna have bullet time and multiplayer i'm like well how the hell are they gonna do that you know how are you gonna slow down time for everybody and i think they handled it pretty damn well um, yeah it really did it, it worked it worked fabulously it was a very fun multiplayer um incredible single player and i just pray that Rockstar will will do the right thing and give me a new Max Payne at some point in time. One day, one day, it's going to be at least a couple of years off. I'd say at the very least. Yeah, that's that franchise cool. doesn't deserve to die because it's an amazing franchise. No, that's it. But then you know, Rockstar do have other teams, so they could get. Yeah, well, they have what's left of other teams. You know. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <it. laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, Red Dead is next on their list, but hopefully, they won't go straight into GTA Six after Red Dead. What? Whatever, yeah, whatever is next. Oh, whatever is next, it's Rockstar telling you to shut up about <laughs> Stop advertising our next resume, our next um, yeah, stop GTA. Leaking again. <laughs> you leaked GTA 6, we're after you now. Yeah, on that soundtrack, by the way, it, by um, Health, it's just, yeah, it fits so well as well. It's just one of those great soundtracks from games that I just like to listen to independently of the game. Just like, uh, it's one of those about the house or writing things. It just gets you nice and pumped up and yeah. Marvelous stuff. I find. So yeah, we'll let Gary take his phone call for a minute and, uh, I will move on to mine. Uh, my first, uh, pick, which again, technically not the best game in the world, probably in, in a real situation, nowhere close to a top 50. And 
probably isn't in top 50. But uh, binary domain, yeah, which is why Sega's Yakuza team, but isn't Yakuza, is actually about a smooth-talking, quip-making soldiers sent into a futuristic Japan to go and take on some robot motherfuckers. It looked Amazing. a bit like, if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it looked a lot like Gears of War when it was being promoted. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does yeah. follow a lot of those things. But it's amazing, though. It is. It's just so... Yeah, it's like... Uh, it has a Blade Runner-esque vibe to it, you know, with the whole machines not knowing if they're real people or not, and it has this... Just a phantom of the dialogue, you know. It's cheesy, but it's proper good cheese. It's like... There's some good back and forth between the characters. There's that crazy gimmick of just, like, directing your squad with your mic that worked to a point, you know? It's like, you know, back when microphones were absolute bollocks on PS3, you know, compared to now, it's uh, you can't really compare. But the characters in it were wonderful. And the story was daft, and there were some great daft moments. And the way you could take out the robots in it was just, work so as well i found that you know you could take out individual limbs and they start crawling towards you or they you know they could take take off an arm but it's you know you had to aim for the head if you want to take them out i thought it was brilliant when i first did it yeah. one of the robots start crawling at me i was like oh my god it's like i'm Wendell hamilton in the terminator and he's coming after yeah. me without his way because it was creepy that's it and as you go in you can on through the game you get to sort of change up your team and upgrade them and Mix and match who comes with you, you know, very Mass Effect esque in that regard, I suppose. But uh, yeah, as I said, Dan Marshall, lead character, cool, Big Bow, Roy Bo Tang is just fantastic and is, you know, very meme worthy with those pictures of him with his bug eyes. <laughs> um, but yeah, best character by far, of course, is Kane, who is a robot himself and it has a French accent and a bandana around his, a scarf around his neck. And just has the best lines in the game is one of the most underrated characters out there he's just absolutely fantastic love him just a game that came out of nowhere for me i think it's just i was on a game rental package and uh it came through not long after silent hill downfall which again is another one of those games that shouldn't be as good as it is but it's just uh, it surprised the hell out of me and i didn't realize until afterwards that it was sega's yakuza team that had made it and i was like why aren't they making more of these? <laughs> this is like, you know, fair and fair is fair too. I like the Yakuza games, but man, like this, this was just like, this is tapping into all the things I like. Terminator, Blade Runner, you know, this, and proper, a proper Sega game, you know? It's like, like the Platinum Games era Sega stuff that isn't without all the over-the-top nonsense they, they had in terms of speed. It was just, can't really say much more about it i it's often very cheap at this point on ps3 probably on other consoles as well and that's totally suggest getting it you got it free on ps plus too so yeah yeah that was right <laughs> i think in the u.s only sadly for that one yeah the, though it's like i think it was one of the first games i bought on pc in recent years because i was like it's going cheap i have to have it again oh no i didn't buy it it was free because sega did a giveaway if i remember rightly but uh yeah Go for it. If you haven't played Binary Domain yet, and to be fair, it wasn't the most uh, revolutionary-looking title at the time, now's probably the time, I'd say, if you have the chance. Cracking title. Cracking title. Um, So we'll go around again. And uh, Ben, 
Oh, well, everyone knows I'm going to vote for it in the end. Fantasy 14. I made one of the best MMOs ever made, and I it is addictive and it is amazing, and the amount of content they support it with every couple of moments is just amazing. Yeah, that's all I can say. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll flesh this out for you a bit. Yeah, and say, so, obviously, um, launched initially in a very very poor state. Yeah, uh, on before. PC only. Oh, PC only. Yes, and yeah, you'd have feared for the future at that point when you got to that point where it came to PS3 were you at all worried or reluctant? Well no I was part of the beta test, I had 1.0 I didn't think it was as bad as people thought it was it had flaws but it was st- it, it's, you could see that they were trying something with it at least and then I was in the closed alpha test for the P- 2.0 on PC then I was in the closed beta yeah. test for the PS3 version and you could tell that they'd put a lot of heart and love into the game, and that's what made it so good. You could tell that the company, the people, developers, you know, Yoshi P, had put so much effort into trying to make it the game he thought it should be. But, you know, he kind of went over. Yeah, I suppose with 11 also, they tried that, yeah. didn't they? Just sort of make, it, make that yeah. online MMO thing. And the problem is, Warcraft has pretty much designed the model for that yeah. type of game. Even though 11 up. was out before warcraft yeah so that game had its way of doing things but back at a time where it wasn't quite as popular and then by the time this came out you know everyone wants to be warcraft at that point it's like and it stopped games from being a bit more varied with that so it is a massive success for it to rise out of that shadow yeah it's great because the game for the second time almost bankrupted square enix yep uh it's just (laughs) Yeah, that if if the, if the relaunch wasn't successful or as successful as it was, we could not have seen Square Enix anymore. That's the scary thing. <laughs> they I, took a huge yeah. gamble re-releasing that game again. And I so. like the fact they kept the 1.0 as canon still because they reference it in 2.0 as a huge plot point from the first game to the the remaster, well remake. Oh, awesome. Re- yeah, it, it is. It is still part of the main storyline and the effects of what happened, because basically what happened: Meteor got summoned at the end of one point zero and killed everyone, basically except for a group of people who got sent to the future. Um, and in fact, that's how they had the servers end. They had the really? meteor in the sky during the you know type the event time, and then it just crashed when the server went down. I do like a yeah, good like a uh, cut scene where the whole extinction event happened. Yeah, I like a good MMO um, endpoint thing like yeah. that. It's like because obviously uh, quite a few fail um, to yeah. sort of match what they should do. It's amusing and fun to see that sort of what are we going to do to end this? There we go. Yeah. This is it. It's like yeah, yeah. It's kind of what they did with the DC Universe Online beta when the beta ended. Um, Doomsday appeared in, in Metropolis and everybody went to defeat him and he pretty much massacred everybody. <laughs> Sweet. You couldn't stop him. It was overpowered. Excellent. <laughs> but I, I, I like the fact that all the generals have been kind of based on their game. Yeah. Because uh, the general that wanted to do the meteor was from the 7th Legion. <laughs> okay. And the person that's awakening the Warring Triad is from the Sixth Legion, which is the same as 
Yeah, same game. Yeah, so. <laughs> so every, every, and yeah. the, the one that's doing the unique plot in 14 is from the 14th Legion. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, I like that, though. So it seems all of them are tied. And it looks like, by the way, um, Gary, uh, this is not really a spoiler, but because it's in the law book. It looks like the new expansion, one of the old sums, uh, one of the ways to get into it might be the old, uh, an old summon. Oh, nice. Doom Train is returning. Ooh. <laughs> cool. So that's Final Fantasy fourteen, which, yes, we have talked about a few times in the past. Um, and, where, uh, really? Someone played Someone played. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it comes up occasionally. <laughs> Could be some kind of running joke. I'm not sure. But, uh, yes, it's it has deserved its success because it proves that, you know, you can have a bad launch you can have problems and you know there is a way out of it if you think smart and think out and work hard on it it's uh, square could easily as gary said square could easily have gone the other way with it and it all gone terribly terribly wrong but uh and it, whenever you think hear about the, the more cynical things about square and the modern era you know about chopping games up into pieces and they take gambles with stuff and i think for the most part they pay off and I think that's what I just I know this goes slightly out of what we're talking about in, in terms of subject, but you only have to look more recently with stuff like Hitman, where you know the, the decision to turn it into an episodic game sounds like lunacy, sounds like greed, but play it and see how it works out, and it, it is it fits, it's it's right, it works. And I think maybe all that started this sort of gung ho approach to certain things is with Final Fantasy fourteen and what they did with that in having to sort of turn it around and, and choosing to turn it around instead of just saying, nah, we won't bother. We'll wait till Final <laughs> Fantasy 16. <laughs> well, the president of Square Enix pretty much admitted that one time at E3 um, that IDOS was single-handedly saved them in that year because they released, what was it, uh, Deus Ex, Tomb Raider, and Hitman Absolution. Absolution, that year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was single-handedly IDOS saved Square Enix that year from a terrible financial loss. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately, they, they didn't they, make it sound like that when they uh, kept saying, well, these games didn't make as much money as we'd hoped. <laughs> so, I know, right? Thanks for saving like, us, but we wanted you to do better. Yeah, you're supposed to do better. <laughs> We're in debt. Yeah, so. <laughs> See this number? Uh, it's supposed to have another zero. <laughs> <laughs> At least in your case. Like... If you, if you carry on with these numbers, we're going to have to make you an exclusive to a platform and do terrible, terrible, terrible numbers there instead. So sad. <laughs> yes, so that's cool. We, we'd see that we made new, fresh talk out of Final Fantasy fourteen. Even in you know, 144 episodes in, we're still doing it. <laughs> so, Gary, it is time for your next selection. My next selection, um, let's see, there's a few to pick through. Uh, let's go with Deus Ex, Human Revolution. Oh, um, good choice. Fantastic return to form for the franchise. Um, I love the original Deus Ex back when it came out in 2000. I believe it came out in 2000. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it was 2000. Awesome game uh, for its time. It did a lot of amazing things. Uh, Invisible War is sequel, not as great as the original one was, but I don't think that, it was that's as pretty bad lightly. As <laughs> that's pretty lightly. I don't think it was as bad as people made it out to be. 
um, it was definitely nowhere close to what the original Deus Ex did. But, I think, um, I think when you're going, going to those heights, it's hard to sort of match that with anything other than better, and it was nowhere close. Yeah, yeah, but Human Human Revolution, my God, what a phenomenal game that turned out to be. Um, great story, very meaningful story, and impactful story as well, in my opinion. Uh, raises a lot of questions uh, about, you know, playing God and all that. Great stuff they did. Um, I think what made it stand out even more was the soundtrack. Um, was uh, so, Michael McCann. Soundtrack. Yeah, the, ma- the soundtrack was so well done. It really made that game. Um, that much better and that much more enjoyable to play. Um, very well crafted environments. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of games that oh, you can play killing everybody you want or going stealthily, but this game really showed you how to do it right. You know, um, yeah. there's so many different paths to take. You know, you can play through the game one way, and your friend can play completely different. And there are things that neither of you would have seen if you didn't play it a certain way. And I think that's the beauty of it. It added a lot of replay value to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I must have replayed through it three times and there was stuff I still didn't see other people had seen. And it's just like, it's fantastic. So you just, it's hard to realize that going through once. And it is very true of this game and its sequel that you just, there are stuff you're going to miss. And if you're not really thinking of that, you are missing anything, you would probably go, oh, well, that, that didn't seem like there was a lot to do. But, yeah, if you go searching for stuff, it's just in a very subtle way that everything is there ready for you to do. You could Just one conversation could lead you to somewhere you'd never have thought of going. It's like, and yeah, it just, while not as much as Mankind Divided, it did do a very decent job of balancing stealth and action. You know, and with the tech stuff, I think it made it, you know, it's like having stealth that, has a technological aid to it, gave it that extra bit of oomph and made it, you know, a more viable option to actually do. I mean, you know, there were, there were trophies in that game that basically required you to do that, not kill people, not get seen, things like that. So, oh man, I remember when I was going for the platinum trophy, which I did get for that game, the trophy of not to kill anybody in the game. I was so frustrated with because I was on the perfect run of doing it. And I knocked oh. one of the guys out, and he slid into the water and drowned, like his head. Oh. And, he died, and he counted as a death. I was so pissed. Oh, man. <laughs> he just drowned in the water. I was like, oh, my God. I was so frustrated with that. Yeah. I have to but, say, also, that the lighting in that game, the whole yellow hue, is just, it really sells that game as its own thing. Just, yeah. It gives it that sense of identity. I agree. I know a lot of people were kind of, irritated by it but i think it added to the world that they had built um they kind of went away with it with mankind divided um there wasn't as much of it there but i think it, it really added to to the world so totally it, it gave it its own identity i think and i thought that was great yeah also has a very good piece of dlc in the uh, missing link i found as well just uh, which fills in a little gap, which is then important into the later game. It's a, yeah, even that, just brilliant stuff. I suppose the only fault you could give it is that it's, it is a bit more streamlined than the original Deus Ex in terms of where you could branch out from. 
but yeah. it's more for console audiences, so it makes sense. You know, it's like it's yeah, trying to get the most people playing the game as possible, and you know, it shows it is fondly remembered as a result, and the franchise never been bigger after that game came out. So. Yeah, it single-handedly brought that franchise back from death. I thought I'd never see another Deus Ex after Invisible War. Um, no, I'm much less I... a popular one. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, you, you wouldn't, you could expect maybe one at, the, at a stretch, but one that was not only good, but received well. You know, and yeah, and I think oh. it was, it's also important to say that I think, doing it as a prequel to Deus Ex really helped them because a lot of people, especially console gamers, mixed out, m- missed out on the story of Deus Ex. Mm. So going back, I thought was a great idea. Like for me personally, I thought it was great to see so- uh, a couple of the characters uh, make somewhat of an appearance in this game from the original Deus Ex. I'm not going to ruin who, but it's obviously going to connect eventually to the first Deus Ex, and hopefully we'll get a remake of that game because that would be awesome somewhere down the oh, line. Oh, yeah. It's entirely possible, I suppose, at some point. Yeah, I think yeah. Going, going backwards was a great idea because it, it lets you establish your own character, your own setting and everything, instead of trying to go off of what they had already established. Yeah, and, you know, as much as, you know, Adam Jensen has a very snarky demeanor and very sarcastic, it's he is still quite an open vessel for you to sort of pour your own conscience into you know you can act as yourself while still having this man with his own story which is a rare thing to do when you have a character driven story where you aren't just seeing it through someone else's eyes you know, and their way of life you you are sort of having your own views imparted onto it which is as you know, with the moral quarter it's a very essential thing to have i think and possibly something that's slightly lacking in mankind divided by comparison or I think it's a bit more Jensen having a bit more of his own character, but I suppose it's more understandable there. But yeah, it fantastic they managed to balance it like that, I found. Yeah. Cool. So yes, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, again, another game that came to PS Plus, like that, which is how I think I started playing it, if I remember right. It's uh, <laughs> just like, a nice surprise that was, again, because Invisible War was my last memory of Deus Ex, and... Uh, I didn't expect much, let's be honest. So it turned out good. Okay, my next pick. Ooh, let's go for controversy, shall we? And pick something interesting. <laughs> um, I am going to pick a Grand Theft Auto game. But not five. I'm going to pick four. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like four. Outside of the driving mechanics, I thought four was a fun game. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm about to explain why. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm prior to this, San Andreas, many people love the absolute shit out of San Andreas. It's, you know, one of the highest rated, best-selling games ever. You know, and I always act like a snob, of course, about GTA because I was always seeing myself as going, oh, well, I called it that GTA 3 would be fucking amazing because look at GTA 2 and imagine that in 3D that's mind blowing and of course people found that out and it did end up being mind blowing so yes long term fan of the series and still am to this day because Rockstar just do some amazing bloody things with it GTA 4 such a different beast 
to what many people were expecting, myself included. And I, I totally get the early criticism where people who were still 10 years old and thinking that everything had to be jetpacks and visits to Area 51, which isn't what I signed up for with GTA. You know, because GTA 3 to me was just like, I loved that it was very, you know, based on the whole Italian crime saga of New York City and all that mobster stuff. I loved that. And it was great to return to a new, improved, revised Liberty City. And by God, did I live and breathe that game. And it's like from first trailer onwards, I just, it was the reason for me to jump to the next generation as early as I did because I just I just wanted to make sure I had that console ready for when that game came out. And, yeah, it's just... It's not as big a city, obviously, as San Andreas, but go back to San Andreas and then play GTA 4. And the difference is GTA 4 is such a deep city. It's like there's much more detail in depth, in, in verticality, if you will, than there is in um, San Andreas. San Andreas is very flat for all its, for all its expanse, for all the... You know, the fact that it's three places and, and that it is a very flat, very empty place by comparison. And GTA 4 just feels, Liberty City just feels more alive. And I know a lot of people didn't like the more washed out tone you know, after the very cartoony looking San Andreas. But again, helped to have this own, its own sense of self. It was, it was Rockstar saying, this is where we want to take GTA in the future. We don't want to just be this cartoony pastiche in all ways. You know, it's like we'll we'll have our cartoonesque characters in terms of trying to parody things and make satire of stuff, but we're not going to have everything be like that. We want there to be. You know, we got the power here. We can make this look better. We can do better with this, and they did. And just everything about it, I. It's one of the few games you know, in the post-90s, uh, I would say, that where I played it again and again and again and again. I came back to it every year, multiple times, until GTA Five came out. This, you know, like, like the day before I got GTA Five was the last day I played GTA Four, where I just you know, clocked on, did a little. The multiplayer, which, you know, very... Uh, I get with the genesis of where they started going with multiplayer with Rockstar Games going forward at that point. It was, like, very raw, very small, but, like, stuff like Cops and Robbers, which has still not been bettered, I think, in GTA V. It's just great fun. It's absolutely hoot. If you, yeah, being the PS3, being the online structure that it had, it's like it was very limited by who played it after a while. Fantastic. There, uh, the soundtrack, again, GTA soundtracks just there is always so much good stuff on so much music I have discovered through Grand Theft Auto soundtracks and here a whole genre of music it's like the Electronica station on there just got me into electronic music it's a, which I'd never had an interest before in that game but it's just like I listened to it so much going through those missions and doing everything again I will say the uh, end mission is a big fuck you and I don't ever want to <laughs> As much as I've done it three times over, I really don't wish to ever do that mission again. Just because, as you mentioned, the driving is not the best and it does sort of cause a bit of a problem when you have to make you know, timed jumps and uh, go around corners at a certain speed. And Yeah, it's it was the most frustrating moment in the entire game. Highlight, probably, of course, the uh, four-leaf clover bank raid mission, which is just... 
splendid stuff. And probably the other low light is, uh, yeah, the constant phone calls from your friends saying, hey, let's go do stuff when you want to be going doing the missions. But they are literally the lowest points for me. It's just something about that world, about GTA 4, just made, they made a place that was so alive compared to anything out there. You know, when you think that Oblivion had come the year, a couple of years before, and yeah, big open world, lots of things to do in it, didn't feel quite as alive as this more compact city. So yeah, there are my words about GTA 4. Anyone else want to chime in with any GTA 4 words? What's up, cousin? Oh, I... No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's about it. I, I wasn't a big fan of it, but I agree. If you, I know it wasn't the cartoony game that people seemed to want from the previous. Yeah, so, yeah, watch it. Uh, but you know, that's what Saints Row's for. Go play that instead. <laughs> yeah, which people quickly turned on <laughs> after it started getting really stupid. It's like, yeah, a very big case of be careful what you wish for. I think that series. Yeah, um, Gary, what about you, sorry? Yeah, uh, I enjoyed 4 as well. I actually enjoyed the multiplayer in 4 up until it was a floodgate that opened up for rampant cheaters. Mm. Um, that just killed the whole experience for me. But I enjoyed the multiplayer in 4. I thought it was quite fun. Um, but yeah, outside of the driving, which felt like I was driving on ice the entire time, no matter what car I had, um. I, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a, a good game. I liked Nico. I thought it was a good character. Um, I liked his backstory, um, his story of revenge as well. I thought it was, it was pretty good, a very yeah. GTA-like story. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know why the game got so much hate. I mean, it still sold ridiculous amounts of units. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I enjoyed 4. Let's not forget, also, it had some bloody quality DLC as well. And the Lost and the Damned and the Ballad of Gay Tony, which are just mm, brilliant. So Ballad of Gay Tony especially. Just the story in that was just so... It was GTA, but it went in a nice different angle of it all, and it's just fantastic. It also has a rather naked penis in it, which is disturbing <laughs> at the time. And it's like, here we are, this is where technology has got us to. You can see tiny micro penises in video games. But anyway, that's enough about GTA's micro penises. Uh, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's Mr. Shiloh Hall's uh, next selection. Well, how can I beat some a game with a Microsoft? Uh, 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 you should have Microsoft penis. <laughs> Microsoft penis. <laughs> now you're playing with power. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a game that I actually want to put in my third. I think I didn't really play. Although I had a lot of PS3 games, it's kind of like oh, I don't know. Nothing really stuck in my med- head that much. Uh, but I, w- I think I will go with Resistance: Fallen Man, the original. Oh yes, oh, that's an interesting one. Definitely. Uh, it it wasn't a great game, but for when it came out, and for what it was, I did really enjoy. I was I I was really impressed by the graphics when it launched. I mean, no, it's not that yeah. good, but when it was out and it was the first game I saw next-gen, that felt like... That actually just felt next-gen compared to the PS2 to me. Going from PS2 to that, yeah. it was just, oh. Definitely. It was my favourite launch game of the lot, I think, yeah. at the time. It's just like, it wasn't the best graphically at the lot, but it was... It felt the most 
complete game out of a lot of them because you know Motorstorm was lovely looking at the time, but Christ, it was a really shallow game yeah. like that. And Fight Night Round Three was, I think, it was just. Again, I mean, none of them top the PS4 launch title of Knack, but you know, well, no, nothing, nothing can be Knack. Uh, <laughs> nor the um, complexity of uh, Killzone Shadowfall, but uh, it's it was there. It was close. You know. Yeah, it's there. It's thereabouts. And it had split-screen co-op. And it was set mainly in the UK. Which, which made just, it better. Yeah, which they totally ruined with the sequel by yeah. taking it to America, like every other bloody shooter at the time. Shooters in America? <laughs> this was a fresh idea that I've never heard of before. In fact, if I remember rightly with Resistance 2, the year that came out, there was a mission in that and a mission in Modern Warfare 2 about, that were pretty much the same mission. Same oh. area, same thing. And I was just like, what? This is like... But how can such an indie title such as Call of Duty ever get something like that done? Mind blown. Mind blown, indeed. But yeah, yeah so I want to go with Resistance because it yeah. was, it's a very underrated game. And a very bold move from Insomniac considering, you yeah. know, they, were, they could have just you know put out the next Ratchet and Clank straight away and said, there you go. Ratchet and Clank uh, 7, now we're playing with power. Yeah. Which, I you know, in all fairness, they did put out three and a half Ratchet and Clank games in that <laughs> generation. But that generation <laughs> was you, 10 years, I say. Yes, and probably less uh, remember, <laughs> in remembrances, uh, Fuse. But yeah. uh, they still did it, yes. They... Fuse looked amazing. That's the problem. Fuse, when it was announced, oh. looked amazing. And then yeah, it turned they, into crap. It changed. It's okay. It's all right, that generation. Yeah, you know, get. Again, they flew under the radar a lot. You know, yeah. resistance games didn't do as well as they should have. The not, you know, the platformer was getting sort of ostracised by the new culture of you know, dude, bro, shoot shooters. things. Yeah, I mean, it shows platformers are only now sort of coming back in the last few I years. Knack has been has been done for the pro. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, clearly because Knack is the reason platformers <laughs> are back in vogue. You know, it's a, even though it isn't actually a platform, <laughs> really. <laughs> but yes, you know, mascot games, if you will. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a good one. It's Resistance Fall of Man. I'm very fond of it, and it's another one of those where I like the first game. The next two games are shite in my compare by comparison for me. I like anyway. the co-op in two, and number three was just shit. Yeah, um, very similar to uh, in terms of how I feel about the Killzone series. I only like one game, which is uh, the second one, which I'll mention here briefly because you know it's I'm not going to pick it. But uh, yeah, a game that could have been so much more had it not lied about things in its trailers. Had it not come out after Call of Duty. Had it not, you know, just been on a system that was lagging miles behind the leading system and only on that system or an, in, or an online infrastructure that wasn't very good it's it's amazing to think what could have happened had Sony not dropped the ball with the PS3 early on it's, it's, you know, Killzone could be like bigger than Halo at this point no joke on that one, it really could it's like, because it is just about perception at this point. Killzone, the issue with Killzone is the fact that um... A lot of their story and backstory are on their websites and not actually in the game. It's a destiny issue all over again. Yeah, the most, yeah, the most interesting stuff is not in the game proper. Really. That is it. And it is you know, the the biggest, the most interesting theories as well, all outside the game. And 
the game I said, I mean, Jesus Christ, Killzone 3 was just a mess of, we want to do this. And then it's like, ugh. And I, I just, I detested it. The first game was all right, but it's just like, yeah. It just came out at the end of a generation where it's like, oh, we want to see new things. This is boring. Shadow of the Colossus is out, and it's much better. So, <laughs> Not that I'm comparing them as games, but, you know, it's uh, when that's the sort of game coming out in terms of quality, it's just a bit stupid. Uh, Right, so Ben has had this choice. It was your choice, wasn't it, Ben? Yes, it was. Um, So, Gary, pick another one. Oh, man, so many to pick, so many to choose. Uh, Well, we can go a couple more rounds at least, at the very least. Let's go with Heavenly Sword. Heavenly Sword. Again, sword. It was supposed to be a launch title, but then it got pushed back by I think a month or yeah. so. It launched window title, if you would call it. That's yeah. Um, done by one of my favorite studios yep. ever. The under uh, the underappreciated Ninja Theory, yes. Yes, Ninja Theory. Uh, with the help of Andy Circus and his phenomenal motion capture studio. Yeah, oh. I, I was not aware until this until recently that he directed it and wrote it and starred in it. It was like bloody hell! I knew he didn't enslave. So he was <laughs> Everything. It's like it's like Christ, he did all that. It's like and of course Rihanna Pratchett also wrote on that. Who wrote Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider? So yeah, um, man, what a very underappreciated game in my opinion. Um, graphically, one of the most gorgeous games on the ps3 at the time it still kind of holds up in my opinion especially when it comes to animation uh mm. and the facial animations that andy circus brought in for all the characters is to this day in my opinion one of the best that i've seen um combat wise i think it was again very well done i really enjoyed the combat system switch i know it was compared to god of war a lot um because you can switch the weapons. You had, like, the long chain blades, like the chains of Olympus. Um, but, you know, it, it, it stood out so much specifically when it came to how well you can counter. It's a very counter-type game where you have to be kind of on the defensive a lot. Um, and you got these awesome, brutal kills when you countered enemies perfectly. Um, just Just very enjoyable to see i thought it told a very good story as well uh very emotional story um i think its biggest downside uh um well what am i trying to say downside sorry the biggest downside to the game was its length and i know it got a lot of flack for it i think it was like only two and a half to three hours long but it was a very satisfying three hours in my opinion um when it went on PlayStation Now, it was the first game I played when I got PlayStation Now all the way through again. I very much enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, Heavenly Sword, very underappreciated. I know there's a sequel planned, but I think I remember Sony saying that they don't believe the franchise is viable anymore, so they canceled the sequel, um, unfortunately. But yeah, Heavenly Sword, I thought was... Uh... Did they make a movie? Oh, I got confused. Well, they made a CG movie, and the CG was worse than the in-game graphics. Well, I think that's probably what helped kill the franchise, though. Yeah, yeah, with the whole no-sequel thing. Well, no, the movie came out, like, two years ago. A year and a half, actually, yeah. 
But again, yeah, it's, it does come down to the fact that it, another game releasing on a console that was lagging at that point. And yeah, not having a sequel when it was in you know, the console was in its height, you know, and actually getting, you know, gaining traction did uh, it just sort of, it doused so many big potential franchises for Sony that generation, you know, where they, they had the chance to try and succeed. And it's unfortunate. We can only hope that Hellblade maybe the sort of gives Ninja Fury a proper shot again whenever that comes out at this rate. Well, you know, I think they've been very successful with what they've done. I mean, Heavenly Sword still sold very well. I mean, enslaved at the end of its production sold well, sold higher than Namco thought it was going to sell. And then you had the Devil May Cry reboot, which got obviously a lot of criticism and a lot of hate simply because the character looked different um but it sold incredibly well for capcom um yeah just i just think public eye perception seems to be different this is the thing as much as it sold well you know selling well doesn't guarantee every person likes that game that's the problem i think and you know heavenly sword Sold well but then it was one of the earlier games you know it's like so at a time and it was familiar as you said, because it had that sort of God of War vibe to it, which again worked for and against it in yeah. terms of what people want it because you know, people will be going, yeah, but it's not God of War. We want God of War, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a shame. But as you say, Ninja Fury keep trotting out good games and under the radar somewhat. And uh, yeah, long may they continue doing so. I hope so. I hope they're around for quite a long time. I think Hellblade is actually their first developed and published game they're self-publishing that game so yeah yeah they described it doesn't run them out of business yeah they described it as the first uh, independent triple a game which is i've given the ideas they have i think they'll do quite well with that it's like we'll see we shall see yeah cool so yes heavenly sword fantastic game uh, agreed on that one so Shame, as we said, that it never quite got to uh, evolve beyond what it was. Yeah. Right. Um, not far off from that. Let's, what should I pick? Well, there's an elephant in the room that perhaps I should pick, really, um, given that, you know, everyone's going to have it on the list. And if we don't talk about it, what kind of best PS3 games podcast <laughs> would this be? So XCOM, Enemy Unknown, right, is like one of the best games ever. Yeah, you see, you see where I went there. You thought I was going to say something else. Um, no, I'm just very happy you picked that. It is, one of, it is an amazing <laughs> game. And as with Ben and Define Fantasy fourteen, you may have noticed I've talked about XCOM multiple times over the past... Well, I've been in about 60-odd episodes plus, so, yeah, it's uh, you've probably heard me mention it more than once. Yeah, XCOM Enemy Unknown slash Within. I count them as the same game because Within is an expansion, but for some reason on PS3 they had to sell it as part of the game and resell the game as a sequel, even though it wasn't a sequel. It was weird. Anyway, strategy, right? Not the strong suit, as I said, of uh, PS3. It's, you know, or consoles in general because, you know, controllers don't really cater as well as mouse and uh, keyboard. But... Turn-based ones usually work better because, you know, it's slow movement. You don't have to rely on, you know, flicking a mouse around really quickly. And this one just 
it has that sci-fi action edge to it and it's actually amazingly adrenaline pumping when things get going for a game where you are basically frozen in time for each turn you know for it to actually build tension you know feel like it's everything's moving too fast you know for a game that's basically stock still is quite the achievement and just turning characters that you don't talk to you don't have interaction with each other really beyond you know just you know, saying military words like roger and whatever they you get attached to them as they go on more missions and do more things for you and they you get new equipment for them and they just get new skills and you're just like oh this guy's amazing and then then you send that you get cocky and you send that one guy one tile too far and he gets obliterated and all your good ones get obliterated and you feel a remorse. And, and then you a remember his name was Gary. It, often it is Gary Bagdasarov that is the cool. victim. You just send me in to die on purpose, don't you? There's always one, Gary. There's always one. Yeah. For a very scripted game in terms of story and the maps and stuff in the first game, that you know, you know, after a while, you know what the maps hold and where the creatures will be and stuff and. Certain classes, basically, especially in the original Unknown, you you can get the uh, jet suit and a sniper rifle, or you can basically sit at the back of the map and pick people off for, in most cases, which um, Enemy Within went some way to cutting out by introducing new enemies that ca- countered that, and XCOM 2 went and basically said, well, if you can do that, there are enemies that can do it too, so fuck off. And But yeah, it's Still, despite all that, there's an excitement and attention to just, it's, ah, the the moments, you know, individual moments that you just could get on the same map, the same characters, the same things, more than one, you know, different things from the same map. uh, The end mission, which is like basically one long slog through the alien mothership and to sort of blow it up and kill off the elders there and just, one particular time sticks with me as like one of my favorite gaming memories of recent time that just uh, everyone's getting obliterated at this end point and still looking bad. And I literally have one guy left, you know, to take on this, uh, that could feasibly take on anyone. And then another guy who's practically dead, he's right in the crossfire of everything. And I'm thinking, what can I do? So I get that guy to drop a grenade and which takes out, Two of the other guys, the 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 ethereal leaders, the remaining enemy shoots at the other guy, misses, and of course I get to hit him with my next shot. So that guy I sacrificed saves the world effectively because him taking the other guys out meant that he didn't have three of them or two of them taking on a shot on this one one last soldier. God, man, I literally I just got up and. this pump in the air, just actually shouting out, yes, can't believe it, because it's just so, so satisfying. It wasn't even the first time I'd beaten the game here at this point. It was just that tense and that amazing, such adrenaline pumping through when you feel like you've achieved something. It's like it's like a very violent chess, you know, and it's, just, you know, chess is what it is. It's, But this is just something fantastic for me, and I... I a long-term fan of XCOM games anyway from back in the PC days because you know, the late 90s I had 
PC, quite a decent PC, and we just played stuff like the original Enemy Unknown and um, that. So it was nice to come back and see it modernized and working well. And the, while the console version is not the best, it is, you know, just the core of it works. And flaws and all, it's just, it ended up being one of my favorite games of the whole generation quite late on. Though we'll say it now, you know, XCOM 2 has obviously gone and bettered that since, but you know, that's what I'd expect. Two, again, two of my favorite games of all time at this rate, and it's no surprise. And I don't like strategy games normally, which is saying something. I, I have a thing about games where you can just make people and send them out on their own little stories independent of the game story, and nothing does that better. Despite that, I mean, that's what makes the soldiers even more relatable is naming them after people, as we said with Gary. And it's like, you, you, <laughs> honestly, it, it can sort of paint your opinion of people you know sometimes with it. That you're just like, uh, I like you, but you fucked up that mission for me in, in a game. And you don't know that, but that's made me slightly annoyed at you. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's hey. madness. <laughs> Thanks for the love, man. <laughs> as ever, as ever. Yes. Um, yeah, they're my words on it. I don't know if you two have anything to say on that. I I thought it was okay. Um, I, I'm not as obviously a big a fan as you, but I enjoyed what I played. I never finished it, but it was pretty fun. Yeah. I'm but not that, a big fan of permadeath. When permadeath happens, I it's irritated. <laughs> I hear it. Uh, for me, this is what makes the game. It's just, again, I, again not a fan of permadeath myself, but in that game, works for me. It just I like the idea of like it just feels like you are against hope, you know, the, the odds properly, like that, and it's just oof, beautiful. I could go on forever, but I won't. So, <laughs> um, right, we we'll go around again then, um, Mr. Shilabo Hall. Do you have another game for the cannon? Nope, I'm, I'm good. You're good. You yep. free game. That's it. There's a few Nothing. more that I want, but I'm good for now. Yeah, that'll do me. That'll do. Ben's out. Ben's out of the race. The hell, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, Gary. Um, double dip time then. We'll do double dips. So, pick two. Double and then, dips. Yeah, pick, yeah, two. pick two. Like two games, huh? You can pick two, and then go one after the other on what you want to say about them. Okay, well, I guess um, may as well start with my favorite game. I guess I can just go with that. Uh, the Last of Us. Um, What's that? The Last, the Last of, Us. of Us? Yeah. <laughs> that one tiny game that nobody Unreal. thought would be successful, but ended up being one of the most successful games of that generation. <laughs> um, I, tell you, I, I don't think I've seen anyone vote for this, mate. I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> I'm confused. What game is this? Last of Us? I think wasn't that like that game that came out on PSN or something? I don't know. So, was that Last Guy? I'm not sure. The Last Guy. <laughs> and the, the fact that I can't remember means that it can't have been anything much. Uh, maybe. Oh, but... kidding aside. Yes, The Last yeah. of Us. The Last of Us. Um, to me personally. I think it was, and 
probably right now is the best game ever made, in my opinion. Um, wow. For me Old personally. Statement. For me personally. Oh, yeah. um, I think it nailed everything the way I wanted it to nail. Um, I, it had very brutal, visceral combat. It had enemies who, I guess you can say, were zombies, but acted more realistically than zombies, where a lot of them, if they bite you, you're dead. It's an instant kill, which we've been taught from zombies. If you're bitten, you're screwed. And obviously, that doesn't happen in games like Resident Evil or anything, but in this game, it did. You get caught once, you're done. It's over. Um, I I love it. Yeah, those fade to black moments where the camera just cuts out just before the worst part of it happens. It's just it's somehow more affecting than than actually yeah. seeing the the gore of it. It's yeah, disturbing in, in a good way. Yeah, you know just everything they did with it. You know, you introduce something that's a natural occurrence. It's a it's a real virus that exists. Yeah, it doesn't affect humans right now. Hopefully, it never will. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because then we'll be screwed. But you know, it's not something that was made. It was not something that was created genetically. It's just something that happened naturally. And that's, in my opinion, scary, you know, because you yeah. have to fight something like that. You know, usually when they create viruses or they make a vaccine before they implement it into whatever they're trying to do, you know, you can't really make a vaccine for this because it's natural. Um, the world, uh, I just everything they created in the world was perfectly done you know people turn to savagery um authority figures rule it's kind of what the walking dead should be in a way um mm. or kind of yeah. is like you can say with with negan's group they just rule everything but yeah you know it's a story of this guy who lost his daughter and daughter in one of the most tragic moments in video games i think just didn't see it coming at all just right off the bat yeah amazing moment. very impactful very impactful very, opening. Very impactful moment. And you see this man who goes from, well, shit, I don't want to do this. It's not my life anymore, to everything is about her. And even towards the end, I, it, I'm going to spoil the end here. So if you haven't finished it, too bad. It's been out for a very long time now. Um, <laughs> three, three and a half years at this point, yes. Yeah. If you haven't beat it by now or played it, you probably never will. Um, just for him to sacrifice pretty much the world to save her is an amazing moment because here he lost his daughter and he's now not going to lose what he considers a second daughter now. And he's yeah. like, fuck the world. She's more important to me than the world. Yeah. You know? it's, a very, it's a very human emotion. You know, so it's no, a lot of games in story terms would do something very coldly logical. You know? But here it's like, it, he's doing something very unreasonable and that, that, feels more authentic you know that he would actually just do something so selfish you know it it fits the character somewhat you know it's all he's been through and i like that and that's for me is what makes the whole end of it so brilliant and the fact that she sort of cottons on that he's done that but wants to be lied to you know that yeah like she, you, you it leaves it like does she really know or does she believe him and like the way her emotion and the void the, the facial animations and everything you like I think she knows he's lying to her, but yeah, but kind of wants to. Along with it, you yeah. know, there's nothing they can do at that point. What's the point of getting angry? Um, yeah, it's very emotional story. Very emotional story. Very well told story. 
just everything about it to me was I won't say perfect. A lot of it I think was perfect, but there obviously there's some things like I thought the crafting could have been a little better. Um I think they could have done more with some of the side characters, especially um the villain that they encounter towards the end of the game, who's technically been chasing them for the whole game, but they only really show him at the end, uh, played by um, Nolan North. Uh, David. Yeah. Yeah, David is, uh, yeah, one of my favorite villains, actually, as a general, of that generation in general, just because yeah, he's interesting. you, like, because, like, they don't talk about him, they don't show him at all through the game, and then when he finally shows up, you're like, he, he's pretending to be a good guy. He's trying to help Ellie, and he does help her, you know, for that part when she's in the in the, in the forest trying to find food. Mm. And just what happens throughout that whole scene and how he turns on her is just crazy. And just the, the end of it. Well, it's just the you can see the side that's trying to keep it all together, just letting go, letting you know, her defenses go down, and she just lets everything out and it's just such a great scene as well but yeah full credit to Nolan North you know for all the characters and voices he plays and the fact that you consider him to be like Nathan Drake most of the time it's like it's so it's such an anti Nathan Drake performance yeah it was so well done I didn't even know it was him up until the credits I was like I didn't I couldn't catch on to his voice at all he did such a good job with that character I think it was about a couple of scenes in, it's just like it has something familiar to it. And I was just sort of thinking what it is, and I thought, yeah, it's not North, but, it, but yeah, just all the more impressive for that. And you know, Troy Baker's high point, I think, clearly as well for him. It's so uh, he just yeah. and yeah, that's just what he all around cast in that regard. Um, characters like Bill, you know, the early stuff with Bill is brilliant mm. as well. And ah, uh, this as you say, so many standout moments and despite a pace that isn't, you know, frenetic by any means, it's, it's very treacle paced, if you will, but in a, in a way that suits the game, it makes sense that it would be like that. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a huge statement that they made with it because here's them working on this game called the last of us. And you know, they're making uncharted three and you know, like the big, players that were working on Uncharted, they weren't involved with it. It's like technically the B team was making The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. So you, people I don't think had as much hope for it as, you know, the big guys working on Uncharted 3. So it was like, oh, who cares about this game? And then when they finally showed off the gameplay for it, I think people were so blown away that Uncharted 3 kind of just fell to the side as opposed to their um, enthusiasm for The Last of Us. Um, I think it was a huge statement by by Naughty Dogs, I guess you can say B-Team, that says, we don't need the biggest players to make this game. We'll, we're making this Just, game, yeah. and we're loving everything we're doing about it. And it turned out, like I said, to me personally, it is my the best game ever made. I think there are aspects of it that I... That... Remind me of two games I absolutely adore, you know, as well. That didn't really seem to get picked up when reviews were going around, probably because one of them's games barely anyone had played. But the other one I felt was more obvious, which was it had a very manhunt vibe to it. And yeah, considering we haven't had any decent manhunt since the first one, because no, the second one isn't decent. Um, it's just <laughs> it really isn't. 
who the fuck has a lead character in a game about a psychopath called Daniel Lamb? Seriously. Anyway, <laughs> get back on point. Uh, yeah, it had that you know brutality and slow pace of manhunt, uh, you know the hiding in the shadows and just reaching out to stab someone. So, you, but making sure you didn't get seen by the rest of them because you know it would mean instant death. But also, um, very much had a vibe of disaster report slash raw danger slash SOS, the final escape, depending on your country. Which, in terms of the backpack system and you know, items being visible where you had them on on you and all that and this whole disaster area sort of look to it and again made me pine for more of that which bloody hell i hope that the new one of that comes out next year and yeah for a game to do that that's that's good enough but then also you know the road is one of my favorite books and that is a very, very depressing post-apocalyptic story. And though this, you know, the last of us doesn't even get close, believe me, because nothing gets close to the road in terms of being downright depressing because the road is just feels so horribly mundane and real in how it deals with a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, but this veered more towards that than it did the walking dead, you know, though I suppose more recent walking dead stuff is yeah closer to the meanness of it all. But yeah, it combines all these things I liked, and yeah, I did like that you know, for all the zombie stuff we'd had, that it, to do a different way of things was nice. And yeah, phenomenal game. And again, another game where the DLC is very good too, and told a nice size story for Ellie and fleshed her out more. It was nice. I keep saying nice, but it's true. It was <laughs> as nice as nice as mushroom-headed zombies can be. Um Yes, yeah, Last of Us, cracking game. What's your second pick? After The Last of Us? Oh, oh sorry, man. before we go on. Ben? Yes? Anything to say on The Last of Us? Uh, isn't that the new Wolverine movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what it is. You know. Wow, Ben. Did you enjoy uh, the last of us? Did you play the last of us, Ben? I could never be it. It bored me so much. <gasps> oh, yes, I remember now. It's one of the yeah. first things I remember you telling me. When, I bought the PS3 oh. version. Couldn't get past the same point because I don't know why. And then I bought the PS4 version. I never really played it. I'd kick you from the call, Ben, but you're the call leader, <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry. I just thought I'd make sure we got your input on that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yes. That's awesome. So, yeah, moving down, I, I guess, then, Gary, because, you know, you just stated that you know, Last of Us is the best game ever. So yeah. what, what, <laughs> else, what else is there? <laughs> um, I guess on the PS3, for me, the next one would probably be Uncharted 2. Um, what can you say about Uncharted 2? Uh, the pinnacle of that franchise, in my opinion. Um, in many ways, yeah. In many ways, I'd say. It's a standout. It's the most important one, I'd say. Yeah, it's like, yeah it, really, it really, in my opinion, put Naughty Dog on the map. Like, Naughty Dog was good, but I think Uncharted 2 made him exceptional. Yeah, I would say they were inconsistent at that point. It's like, they, they could make good magic stuff, but they could also do misguided things the jack and daxter franchise you could see that especially where you know they they started with great intentions but then got lost in the whole oh gta is a big thing let's copy that 
And, yeah, and, they, they started adding a lot of things to Jack and Daxter that it didn't need. It was a fun platformer, yeah. and it turned into a shooter. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. which disappointed me greatly. It's, it's much like, Jack 2 is a nice game, but uh, it's still not the game I wanted it to be. But yes, Uncharted 2, on the opposite hand of things, was everything I'd hoped the first Uncharted would be. And <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, fantastic. Bloody, yeah, the set pieces in that are just phenomenal. Even now that some of them just stand out really well. And other games have, you know, repeated them ad nauseum at this point, you know, including quite hilariously Tomb Raider's probably done at least two of them, I think, in the years since. But <laughs> why not? You know, the, you know, standard bearers get copied in the gaming industry as in any industry. It's, it has to be done. But yeah. So, yeah, so carry on with your assessment on Uncharted 2. Yes, Uncharted 2. Um, the technology behind Uncharted 2 it just blew me away when, when I first saw it. Like, the, the, the stuff they did with the snow, uh, mm. especially, like, in the beginning, I was blown away. I ran around literally the entire time I played when I first got the game, just running around in the snow, just watching it move because <laughs> it looked <laughs> so damn good. You know, I've never seen snow that way, and I still haven't seen snow done as good as Uncharted 2 has done it. Um, but my, my fascination with games needing to have snow in them, as you guys know by now. <laughs> 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 Moving on from that, um, yeah, I thought the combat in 2 was the best still. Um, even I, I still think it, it works the best, even though 4 technically, everybody says, is finally refined. I think two handled it the best. Um, the cover system, like you said, the set pieces just just wow on the set pieces. Um, from the building coming down while you're still in it, um, still f- having a gunfight. Uh, you know, from the train sequence, which is one of the most memorable sequences I think of the last generation. Um, oh, yeah. The fact that they were able to render so much of it. You know, and the way they did it, I, I, I remember they, they have a making of that train sequence, and it just blows my mind what they're able to achieve with that thing. Um, yeah, just Uncharted 2, just, I don't know how much more I can say about it. No, no, it's it's one of those that, to talk about it now, what, seven years later, it's, yeah, it, it, what's been said about it has been said. You know, there's not much else you can say. Everyone knows that the train sequence, as you said, is phenomenally done, and you know, the fact that it starts with the aftermath of it and then brings you up to that point and go through it as well is just. I know it's a very much a, a used technique in in movies and such, but it, it was nice to see in a game use it that way. But yeah, undeniably. I'd say yes, it is the high point of the series in in a lot of ways and important, the most important point. But uh, that said, there are points in the other games that came after it that are arguably better in terms of like set piece moments. But yeah, as a whole game, yeah, Uncharted 2 is a nice solid ride without a doubt. Um, ben, any thoughts on Uncharted 2? It had a good multiplayer and the co-op. I think it was two that had some co-op was fun. Ah, yes, the multiplayer. Yes, it's uh, surprisingly good. But then, I don't know, a time where everything was getting multiplayer because, because I think, it just felt, yeah, for me. But that's, that's me. And the I, Machimania mode was pretty cool as well. Oh, God, yeah. Christ, remember that being a yeah. thing. 
So, <laughs> I meant Machinima rather than uh, the <laughs> rather than Uncharted Two. So, <laughs> but cool. So Uncharted Two, that's definitely a, you know, a high point of the PS3, and definitely one of the better exclusives, I'd say, without a doubt. So, well, you know, going from those heights, what does what does it leave me with? You know, that's I've got to think of something. Bullet storm. Uh, you know, you've mentioned it now. I have to say it. <laughs> um, Damn it, Ben! <laughs> Bulletstorm is an '80s Kurt Russell movie with a '90s shooter. <laughs> right? It's great. It's and great. that makes it, it is, and it's the best thing ever for that. It's like I just wish Kurt Russell was young enough to be in the film version of that game because it just. It's stupid, right? It's super stupid. It has some horribly corny one-liners, but it also has some great dialogue. It has the best shooting stuff. Uh, the guns in it are just such fun to use, like such variety. And I don't know, it's just, it shouldn't be as good as it is. I, I kind of hate that they tacked on the multiplayer mode. It's the most single-player experience a first person shooter i had played in years at that point and it's like it, it it deserved to just be that i don't think it needed to have any online component yeah it's i don't know what more i could say about but it's in that regard it's, it's playing it is the proof of the pudding it does such joyful in much the same I way really Doom, is, is the room is the remaster actually coming out or is that still just rumors i think it's still just rumors it's okay. like which is sad because I want it right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in much the same way that currently stuff like Doom and Titanfall have very fun, you know, energetic single-player modes, it's like, it's that. Wherein it's just like fun with weapons. You want a game that has a really good shotgun. And I want to say this. You might think like, this is weird, but um, well, it feels like what Duke Nukem should have evolved into. Yes. And again, that may be a point why I love it because Duke Nukem 3D, again, one of my favourite games ever because just not because yeah. it's smart as much as that's a very obvious thing to go with. Yeah, but that, back then that was more of a shock factor, factor of the smart. Oh yeah, but it was also a very deep game for what it yeah. was. Very tactile, <laughs> not in that way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the map. Just the tip. It was very much unheard of to have that much interaction yeah. with maps in that time. And, yeah. yeah and, it's just a fun tongue-in-cheek shooter, and I like tongue-in-cheek shooters. I like shooters that don't take themselves entirely seriously, and just they're fun to play. I don't like just shooting into endless hordes of enemies with boring weapons. It's like I like the games like Titanfall, where you can can drop kick someone in the air before shooting them, or you know, in Bulletstorm, you can have a grenade that lassos people's feet before you detonate it, or you could kick people into spikes and just bloody hell what a damn good game what a pure fucking awesome shooter and people can fly just got absolutely screwed by those bastards at unreal <laughs> i don't like them for that but uh here's hoping they get to do more things and i hate it pains me to say that it was one of the best things ea published that generation <laughs> Because they shouldn't have had any responsibility for how good that game was, in my opinion. But there you go. Maybe it would have done better if they hadn't had anything to do with it because they wouldn't have tacked on the pointless multiplayer. But yeah, there you go. 
Thanks, Ben. You reminded me of Bulletstorm. Life is good again. Oh, but now I've got to think of another game. Um, goodness me. And there are a few. Um, but up, but up, but um, I could go on for ages. So many of these games I'd like to pick. But oh, how about I pick Journey? Yeah, I'm going to pick Journey because for several reasons, I think it's a very important game for the console. I mean, one because you know it's for me the standout PSN title at that time. Xbox Live Arcade had a lot of titles coming through that Sony didn't have, and it's really Western that for me was like a statement intent for their indie movement going forward because you know that game company who made journey had made the better games of their psn stuff anyway in the likes of flower and flow and yeah journey for two hours for 10 pounds the way people talk these days you would think fuck off and you don't even get to shoot anything that's terrible oh yeah no out of 10 let's never talk of this again but bloody hell, well, it's just quite something that you go through that game and the things you experience in, in that journey. It just I was surprised by how emotionally connected I felt as you get to the end of that game. And I'd, As much as it's older than a game we spoiled earlier, I still don't want to spoil it for people who haven't played it because... It deserves to at least make your own judgment call on the how you, how to interpret it and how to see it. But yeah, it's just such an emotionally charged finale to it without ever anyone saying a damn word. And a co-op mode, which to this day is borderline genius in that you don't have any idea who you're playing with. They can't mess with you and you can only communicate in noise, in musical notes, so to speak. It's just... Fantastic stuff. I can't grasp quite how it ended up being as good as it is for what it is, but it's proof that video games don't have to be a set length, don't have to have a set amount of content you know, to, in order to be worthy of value. It's it's what you get out of them as an experience. And nowhere else, I think, in that generation did I see that more than with Journey. It's possibly the best £10 I ever spent, and replayed again on uh, the PS4 for the same thing because it's just and yeah still holds up still a game I wish everyone played whether they love it or hate it at the end I think everyone should at least experience Journey once it's a a time where you know consoles were still very much you know, pushing towards the the AAA side of things compared to now where there is a more of an indie presence. It's a big thing to say that journey for me is like up there amongst my favorite games of that generation and probably is one of my favorite games of all time. So a two hour game in which there is no combat, very simplistic puzzles, very simplistic, everything that looks bloody gorgeous for what it is, by the way. And again, you were saying about snow earlier, Gary, it's like the yes. second best no on PS3 was Journey, without a shadow of a doubt. And that was very minimal, very minimalist, and the sand as well. But uh, yeah, Spellbinding. And that Austin Wintory soundtrack is just, oh, one of my favorite soundtracks of like ever. It's just 
the tracks on it. It's just ah, uh, everything just lilts and falls at the right moment, and just things build just when they should. And God, and even that opening sort of sad cello sound to the game is just it's synonymous in my head. You know, I hear that tune and I see that first scene every single time, and it's like it's ah, uh, it's. Such, everything distilled into pure perfection in two hours for me. So yeah, there's me being an indie wank about Journey. Um, does anyone want to pick anything else before we sign off? Gary? Well, we have plenty of games I want to talk about, but we'll be here forever. Okay, well, pick one more for the encore, and we'll... Uh... One more for the encore? Uh, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Ooh, uh-huh. yes, yes. What a very nice surprise that game was. Um, it's, in my opinion, as everything is... Um, <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> no, it's... it. it obviously, it didn't start off as a Castlevania game. Uh, for people who don't know, it started off as something completely different. And then, um, well, actually... Am I saying that wrong? It started off as a Castlevania game, but it had no fundamental resemblance or anything to Castlevania. No. Uh, and Konami brought in Kojima to kind of help them out with that. Um, Hideo Kojima, yes. Um, Which, from what we know now, probably was against his will. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, it was a good thing, then, because that game turned out pretty damn good with his involvement in it. <laughs> Let it be known for the record, Gary states that slave labor is fine. <laughs> as long as it gives good games. Yeah, I think it was um, the, the former games journalist Steve Burns said it best. He said if people if people can make games like Metal Gear Solid Five or and uh, that you know, the game the big games Konami put out under the pressure they're under in technical slave labor terms, then he's all for it. You know, it's like why not go further? And, you know, just put them in concentration camps. And, just make it a full-on boot camp thing for them. <laughs> and we'll get the best games of our generation. Uh, no, I think Wars of Shadow breathed fresh life into the Castlevania franchise. Um, I think it, it slowly started to go downhill after, um, I think, Circle of the Moon, which came out on the Game Boy Advance. Um, yeah. It really started to to kind of go down as as more of a handheld title. We hadn't seen a core big Castlevania game for a while, um, and we had I think four or five that came out on on the uh, Game Boy Advance and then the DS. Uh, I don't think any came out on the 3DS, but I think Wars of Shadow really made a big statement for that franchise, where a lot of people were totally against it being 3D because they said it wouldn't work. And mm. we know they, they tried to go 3D with Castlevania 64, which I don't think anybody was, any one of us ever wants to talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think they had some success with, um, I believe it was Lament of Innocence on the PS2. Um, yeah. I thought it was a decent 3D Castlevania game. Um, it, it did well for them. They made a sequel, which was not very good after that. Um but Wars of Shadow, you know, go back to the beginning of the whole legacy um, of Dracula. And I think going back to, to that time, 
time period I thought was a great decision for them with Wars of Shadow, where it kind of shows you how Dracula came to be. Um, and with Wars of Shadow, you know, it they, they, they had a lot of these fundamental things of Castle. Like, you still have the whip, which was great. You still fought a lot of the same type of enemies, werewolves, skeletons. But I think the big standout for this game was its boss battles, quite honestly. Um, I think it had some of the best boss battles that I played on the PS3. They were all incredibly fun. Um, incredibly fun boss battle. I thought the locations were great, even though I know a lot of people complain, oh, you're not in you know, Dracula's castle. Well, that makes sense because there's no Dracula in Wars of Shadow. He doesn't exist yet. We see the transition into Dracula in that game and who eventually becomes Dracula. Um, yeah, it's quite a good twist, actually. Yeah, very good twist. You know, you had someone as amazing as Sir Patrick Stewart in the game as well, who I'm not going to spoil the character he plays uh, because, again, it's a big reveal, and I think people should actually play the game and experience that because it was really well told and very well done. It's the Um, king from the beginning of Oblivion. There you go. (laughs) He just swim swabs games. <laughs> it's like, a waste of a talent that was in that it's game. Oblivion, <laughs> it's Best idiot probably just glitched out the game into a different game. Yeah, that's it. it that's literally it. It's just one big <laughs> Bethesda blit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they had... um, What's the actor's name who plays Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter? Oh, what's his face? He's Twat face. face. I mean, well, he... He does the voice of the main character, Gabriel, um, I believe. Does yes. he? I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, Tom Felton, that's the one. But yeah, it's it, it was such a nice, fresh breath of fresh air for that franchise. And it really needed it because it had become so stagnant at the time. Um, yeah. You know what it is? I think I keep thinking he's a child because, you know, Harry Potter, but he is like nearly 30. So, yeah, so. he's older now. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it, it did the one thing that I don't think any game should have done where it didn't really give you a, a good ending to show you what actually happens to him. Because at the end, we find out what happens to Gabriel, but we don't know how it happened. They don't tell you how it happened. And they released the DLCs, which told you how it happened, which really pissed me off because the DLCs are very pricey as well. Um, yeah. So if you don't really know, and like, yeah, the big twist at the end when they go from that time period to what they did, I thought was incredible. I never saw it coming. Yeah. Um, you, you're um. By the way, sorry, Lee character. You're thinking it's Robert Carlyle is the uh, main guy. If, if you know, is a uh, Begby from Train Spotting. Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad then. <laughs> sorry. Um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I just I was trying to think. Surely you'd be too young. It's like because so. Yeah, I thought it was him. Doesn't he do any voice in that game? Uh, don't think so. Don't see oh. his name. If he does, it can't be anyone old because he would have been about twenty-two. So, no, no. Okay, well, sorry about that then. Um, my bad. <laughs> uh, Fact checking is always good. <laughs> always good. Yeah, I, I'm. A sucker for looking up things like that so it's uh... yeah yeah but yeah um i thought it was a fantastic game it, it really put the franchise back on the map and then 
whatever you want to think of Wars of Shadow 2, I thought Wars of Shadow 2 was a fantastic game as well. I know a lot of people would disagree with me. Um, but I think Wars of Shadow should have been a wake-up call to Konami to to really take off with the franchise again, but instead they decided to bury it again. Um, especially since the head guy that was running Castlevania for the longest time decided to leave. Mm. Um, and it's kind of sad, but chances are we'll never see another Castlevania game of this caliber again. But Not an official, anyway. It's, uh... Yeah. Cool leather! But yeah, if, if you like <laughs> Castlevania, if you... <laughs> If you really enjoy that franchise, I think Wards of Shadow was an incredibly well-done game. And I think a lot of people need to check it out because it did a lot of amazing things. So, yeah. Probably another one you could pick up cheap somewhere, I'd imagine, at this point as well. So. Oh, yeah. Sweet. I think sweet. I saw the collection of Lords of Shadow 2 for about 20 quid. Oh, my God. I want the collector's edition that comes with statues. <laughs> yeah, I found it quite cheap. With, with yeah, it was a UK exclusive too. No, Collector's edition never came out of North America. Oh, yeah, they had it in the, like the CEX shop. It was pretty cheap. Nice. I didn't buy it, but <laughs> yeah, like especially when you talk about two, like everybody always complained about the stealth sequences and stuff. The stealth sequences were literally like five percent of the game. Like there's it hardly ever happened, and when it did, it was short, and people like ragged on it so bad uh, because of those. It was pretty bad. I know they they released like a like an article actually came out recently about from the creators of that game and the head of the studio um, about what they had to go through with Lords of Shadow too, and it's fantastic read if you can find. It. I don't remember what the what the article was called or which website it was on, but it was a fantastic read into the stuff they had to go through with Konami, uh, especially, and critics as well, that I think they were personally being treated very unfairly, but that's just my opinion. So I, I, I think I've said this before. I have um, heard from more official sources that uh, it's a general thing with Konami and it's, uh, different divisions that uh, Konami expects too much and give too little in terms of uh, help. It's a, yeah. a certain uh, yearly franchise they have doesn't uh, get given, you know, doesn't get given the attention it needs and uh, the budget it needs to uh, compete with its nearest rival uh, because they have to go through Japan for everything. And yeah, sad indictment. Yeah, they about. Yeah, they talked about the stealth sequences and like they knew they were bad. They didn't want them in the game. But at the point where they could have made that decision to remove them, it was too late. Um, and it kind of sucks, but they were able to shorten the amount of time they appeared in the game. Like It's just, I, I think Lords of Shadow 2 really gets a very bad rep, and I don't think it deserves it. Um, for those who have played it um, and enjoyed it like I did, you're awesome. <laughs> Because I think the game was very well done. I just think it got a really bad rep for things that it probably shouldn't have. I, how should I say? I think a lot of its issues were overblown. Yeah. Then, then I think it, it was also a time where yeah, Konami were already getting shit for how they were treating their franchises. 
I think most most of the criticism at that time was still coming from Silent Hill fans because that's where the 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 D Master, the D Master, the D Master downpour. Well, the, a series of games that downpour, really aka lit. the salty tears, Book of Shadows for the Vita. My God, yeah, they yeah. were they were shitting on Silent Hill quite quite. I tell you, but uh, in fairness, right, downpour probably the most Silent Hill game out of the lot in many a year, despite it being a bit poor in a lot of ways. Very, I enjoyed that one a lot for some reason. It's a, I I enjoyed its side quests. I thought its side its side quests were better than the main story. Mm. You're gonna start enjoying stuff when it's the only thing they give you because you you, you know out. if if there's a load of shit just just because a shit's piece is covered in gold doesn't mean it's good. Just means that you're so used to all the bad games that you think oh this one's not too bad. <laughs> except except Book of Shadows, you just know it was bad. <laughs> did we give it a good review as well or am I going crazy I don't know if we did I don't know who did it was it, it Mike who reviewed it I think oh Mike what have you done I, I don't know I just remember him having oh, going crazy probably crazy <laughs> Origins was good Origins was a fantastic Silent Hill I think that came out yeah. on the PSP <laughs> very yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd say that's a good shout, Gary. All the same. Yeah, we did give it 90, by the way. Just say. Or 9 out of 10, I should say. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> did we really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, had to uh, search for it. And it was by our boss man, Stephen Williamson. Oh, Stephen. Wow. Yes, Stephen. Well, I'm quitting. Was- <laughs> go to court why did you leave your job uh, well you know why did you tell you what though I, going back to it just because i was curious it's like you see the comments and you think if we gave that nine out of ten there's got to be loads of people complaining about that but nope all was like thanks for an accurate and fair review i agree with every word sort of thing it's like there you go i guess we're wrong it's wrong well you know there are fans of, even the, the biggest piece of shit has its fans so so and this was by this was far oh, from yeah. being. I've met people bit. that like Hayes, allegorically. Oh yes, one former staff member quite likes Operation Raccoon City, of course. And uh... no, he's no more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't see our review of Book of Memories. Book of Memories. Oh, sorry, I was talking to Lords of Shadow too. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Stephen gave a good score. He agreed with me on everything about it. That was a great game. Right, we shouldn't really yeah, be- I, I did Book of Memories. I see it now. You did. What did he give it? Unfortunately, he gave it a 6.5. You went the highest, you went the lowest. That's not yeah. bad. You should have removed the 6 and kept the 0.5. <laughs> 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 I said, I thought he gave it a good score. Not a, yeah, not an amazing score, but still. I wouldn't call 6.5 that bad. Uh, anyway, keeping on subject somewhat, because we are veering off into a strange territory of a Konami discussion group. Um, <laughs> we'll just give a shout out to a few games that probably should have mentioned, but you know, time and uh, <laughs> there's like a lot of games that came out. Um, of course, you know, I mentioned GTA 4, but obviously GTA 5 uh, is better, in my opinion. Yeah, shut up, Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to say that. I think GTA 5 is better than 4. 
Yeah, but then you don't. Neither like of them good <laughs> games, but that doesn't mean they're not. <laughs> um, obvious things we have mentioned: Red Dead Redemption, of course, yeah. is up there. Um, Portal Two, which oh, I love um, Portal Two. Yeah, yeah, not enough people liked it apparently, as you'll probably find out this week in the uh, top fifty. But yeah, I, I blame they probably got their like they probably sent their votes for a portal and it got lost somewhere. Went space. Space. Did you hear the story about that? Nolan North didn't know he was that character. He, that, that when people say, came up to him talking about that line, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Oh wow! Like, and he later found out that it was because it was from Paul. Because he says he does so many voiceover gigs where he doesn't know what the problem is. He just he reads what's on the page. It's like, and there's no, that doesn't tell you what game it's for. Wow! Like, mad. Apparently, a very common thing in the industry. There you go. Just say um, these lines, okay, Dad. Thank you. Yeah. So Skyrim, for all its troubles, many of people had. Um, if you if you got it working fine, like I did, um, it was one of the best things I had an experience of the whole generation. And I loved Oblivion as well. So you know that's that's saying something for me. Uh, Bioshock, which I didn't play till this year, funnily enough. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can see where that got hype. It did. It's a very good game. Um, heavy rain and a one. You know, it's naff and brilliant at the same time. That game, uh, the Soul series, of course, uh, Demons and Dark, and uh, great Bioshock Infinite, Mass Effect Two, get ahead. Mass Effect you, Three. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's that. Um, Gary's back. Hello, Gary. There's that new game. Was that? I don't yeah, remember that. Gary's, yeah, that's uh, Mass Effect. <laughs> Gary's back. <laughs> I say it came back at the worst time when you're talking about poopy games. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you got you say it. Gary's back is a poopy game. <laughs> How dare you? That's the best game ever. It's just um, me walking through the door all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, with some tinned applause. Going over the top well, of no, the that's, the, that's the what you got there. That's the actual gameplay mechanic. Each part is a different. <laughs> you have to time the applause. For the time. You have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's like rock, one rock band, but, but Gary. Yeah. Oh, God, do you know I found out that's going in VR? It's is like, it? Oh, my yeah, God, I'll, I'll I'm going to have to buy I, that. I still yeah, don't I, have I, a single VR game. Uh, it's, I, it's not. They're still in the testing stage at the minute. So if you live in San Francisco, they want people to test it. So. What game is this? Rock band VR. Ew. Ew. Oh, come on, what? <laughs> Standing on stage, being a musician in front of you know, like, a crowd, that'd be amazing. It's like... That's exactly, as long as I there's said, Groupies minigame afterwards. Groupies minigame, it's not got a war, mate. <laughs> I, I want a Flash VR game so I can throw up instantly. <laughs> I want a Superman VR so game bad. where I can throw up instantly. There you go. Because the game's bad. Because it's a Superman game. Oh, Superman 64 in VR, they should totally release it. <laughs> it was always meant to be, clearly. <laughs> Those 15-second levels. <laughs> you got to restart. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, you're only supposed to play VR for about half an hour. You could beat the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus oh, Christ. Superman uh, 64 View R. Oh, my God. We could rename it Superman 364. Because of the 360 degrees. Fine, fine. Anyway, back on track. Um. Just mention a few more games. Uh, the Arkham games, obviously, very good. Brought Batman back to the glory days, the heights that he could be, where he probably isn't right now. Um, 
stuff like Metro, Last Light was really good. Um, Metal Gear Solid 4, I mean, you know, as much as it has its critics, and it is really long, it is the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King of video games in terms of trying to end over and over and over again. But for people like myself who just got so invested in the lore of that game and just and the characters and everything, it was just brilliant. I loved it. And that post-credits thing, just still to this day, I, you know, I'm, I'll spoil it now because, you know, the game came out in 2008. But, yeah, the whole credits where Big Boss's name comes up and voice actor and you're like, he wasn't in the game. And then it just cuts to the scene where you get to reconnect with Big Boss and just that, that whole this was good, wasn't it, end scene. Bloody hell. One of my favourite things in that whole generation, alongside the very vivid memory I have of finishing a shift at the pub, going upstairs to the flat I lived in there with my roommate, and we just you know, having a stressful day. And I got, having had a stressful day, I had to do the microwave tunnel bit at the end of Mogul Solid 4. And God, we were shouting and going at it, just trying, and yelling at the screen to sort of get through that bit and hammering the buttons and literally when we got through we had she got high fives everything and it's a rare moment and the guy i was playing is like he was an xbox guy he's like and played stuff like call of duty but still got so invested in that moment in a game that he hadn't even been watching me play for most of the time we've been playing it but just the drama of that scene came through so well with the whole split screen stuff I know I wasn't going to talk about any more games properly, but just it feels wrong to have admit to admit a game that is, you know, a an exclusive and just the sort of game you just don't get people making <laughs> because you know big companies like Konami don't want to lose lots of money. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. That moment was very great. It was very well done. Everything before that moment can kiss my ass, but. What, even That's... the return to Shadow Moses? No, it's everything, um, I guess everybody surviving really pissed me off. Um, everybody should have died, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially, um, what's her name? See, that's how bad it was. I don't even remember her name anymore. Meryl? Um, Meryl. Meryl should have died. What's well, the guy, she was, Johnny should have died. Raiden definitely should have died a long time ago. Raiden was, Raiden was dead inside anyway. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of these emotional moments that become so unrealistic that... <laughs> like where Raiden saves Snake from a tanker falling on his head uh, well, <laughs> by fucking stopping it with his own body. And he's still fine. <laughs> and he's still alive. Exactly. He just lost his arms. That's all he lost. He's just the arms. Again, clapped, laughed my ass off and clapped at that. Just like, this is just so bloody ridiculous. I love it. It's just... Yeah, just like the moment when he's walking with Otacon, it's like, so how's Ryan doing? I'm like, what, he survived, really? (laughs) Like, I thought he was supposed to be dead. (laughs) Naturally, when a giant, (laughs) an Arsenal gear lands on top of you and crushes you to death, cyborg or not, you're kind of thinking you are dead. (laughs) Even in a game like Metal Gear... Yeah, where you can kill a man who's essentially an immortal vampire, and yet you can't kill the guy with a boat. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I just thought it was just ridiculous. I think Snake should have died at the end. I don't think they should have given him that happy ending. 
I think it should it, it should have just gone the way. Yeah, but you know, he planned to do it until his team decided to go against him and convince him otherwise. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I think maybe Kojima just saw that everyone wanted, expected that. Like, nah, yeah. fuck that. <laughs> to, <laughs> no, to be fair though, I, um, I in some ways I'm happy he didn't die because it was nice that he actually got. A, yeah, considering the fact that the entire games have had him, you know, struggled to survive the entire. It's nice that he's had his happy ending, even if yeah, it's only for a few years. Resolution. Yeah, and a, res- a resolution with his father, yeah. you know, or own daddy, if you will. But by the way, they both should have died right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that would have been doubly depressing. I like that. that this is good, isn't it? Line and the way that ends, it's just perfect. Like, uh, I, I think he should have died with with Ocelot. They should have died together. Oh, no, you know that. That's God. How bloody good was Ocelot in that game? It's just that oh, height, brilliant. Yeah, height of camp, just absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's like I, have... the fact that you know that he's actually the good guy the entire time. Yeah. And he's portraying the bad guy just so the Patriots don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Up to the end, even that when Snake knows that he's a good guy, pretty much, he yeah. still plays the bad guy just so that they don't find out. It's brilliant. Rosalot was Absolutely one of the best brilliant. characters ever. Yeah, and in that game, it's just like every line, every bloody line just drips with ham and, and ham juice. It's just, oh. <laughs> I'm glad it. they didn't bring back... Uh, the voice actor of Liquid, though, I'm glad that he was no, just using his no. own. I mean, protection. he had that he had that melodrama of Liquid Snake whilst being Ocelot, which is what I'd prefer <laughs> all the time. Yeah, not like in two when like his voice randomly comes in, and you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, like how? God, vocal cords don't work that way. Yeah, I have to go and play Metal Gear Solid two again. Right. <laughs> Not for that, but for the fact that Ocelot is in that a lot as himself and quite cool. To... Well, see, I, I, the reason I say it would have been better if he died because he would have gotten the same. It could, it would have just gone back to the way three was, where the hero always gets screwed, and only a handful of people know that they're the actual hero. Yeah, I suppose, but then Snake's already been screwed a lot. You know, by the his very legacy screws him over most of the time. The fact that he had this lethal virus trying to kill him for most of his life, and he and killed everybody but him. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that he is basically a patsy for everyone the whole way through. It's like, so yeah, he's he's hardly had the cheeriest of life <laughs> times. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Four better than you remember, even though it was mostly absolute nonsense, but. You know, it did have right. Incredible. Four was incredible. Yeah. Just the end just really irritated. Yeah. No one else could have made a game like that. Guaranteed. And gotten away with it. If somebody yeah. else made a game with that kind of shit, that guy would never exist in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> it had a monkey in a diaper that drank Coke. I mean, Christ, you know, that's just and it was it was treated as normal. Yeah. In any other game, that'd be the wa- a wacky side character. Nope, he's just a monkey in a nappy with a can of coke. <laughs> Even Psycho Mantis survived that game. Come on! <laughs> yeah, it's not, I mean, yeah, there's so much, oh, God, I could go on for years about all the stuff that doesn't make sense, but it's just so <laughs> awesome for how bloody awful it is. <laughs> it's just... Psycho <laughs> uh, Mantis, really? <laughs> I love the character, yeah. but come on. 
Yes. Um, yeah, only low light really for me in that game is the whole Prague level with a sneaking around bit. It's just like, and uh, tailing the guy that isn't a guy. I really hey, the motorcycle sequence at the end of it was... Oh, that was great, yeah. And the <laughs> Falcon, not the Raven battle, sorry, it was good. But yeah, no, that whole following sequence is a bit, eh. Like, I anyway. love it because like, you can turn around and see the, the thing following you. And he just hides behind yeah. the corner. Did you ever do that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Like, I didn't do it the first time, but yeah, second time for everyone. I said, two thousand and eight. I um, my free time was very short, and I drank a lot when I was off work. So, <laughs> I I miss, I miss a lot of small details, and I didn't have a HD television, so <laughs> you miss a lot of detail. There are games that I played from that era again since, and I'm like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> so, oh, that's great. Yes, a damning admission of my past there. Uh, okay. Too many games to think about. Too many. Too many games to think about. I, I couldn't let that slide. That was a, a very big game. Um, I'm sure if people really want to it, talk it about more of them. You bought a PS3, right? <laughs> yeah, it literally was the reason. It's like that's for a lot of people. That's the only reason they bought a PS3. It was for that game. Yeah, I mean, Christ, if Sega had come out with one more console, I said, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Force exclusive, it's like, yep, there you go. Fuck the rest of it. I don't care if there's console bombs. I want it. <laughs> so. if, if Sega released another console, Streets of Rage, that would have been a must-buy for me, just for that yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> Use Streets of Rage, I'm buying it. I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll dish out $600 for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, we have talked a lot about these games, which is amazing. That's, this is probably our longest podcast in a while, which is saying something. We've uh, been keeping it quite clean and tidy at Banner, but, you know, this is a special, and we've covered a lot of games. Um, it's been fantastic. I think Ben's currently away. But, uh, so, Gary, any shout-outs this week? Um, Just to the listeners, uh, like always, thank you for listening. Please, again, give us feedback on what you want us to talk about. We can't grow unless we know what our fans want to listen to. We cannot grow unless you show. That is, yeah. I mean, otherwise, like, we'll do the same thing, and you guys will get tired of it. We always have yeah. to well, I mean, tell us. If you don't remind us. We'll, yeah, if you don't remind us. We'll just do this whole thing again next week. And <laughs> part two. Part two. It's <laughs> a bad game. Let's go to the PS2 games this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know, quite quite temptingly, I quite intrigued by the idea of doing a section next week on the worst uh, on the bad stuff about the generation because there's a lot of it it's like yeah. including the console itself in a lot of ways but uh oh the, the launch of the console for sure oh man <laughs> best 600 quid i ever spent that price tag dude <laughs> I, I paid it gary i paid it so Willing. did I. That's the Willing. sad thing we paid. Willingly it. with no reluctance. In fact, I paid seven hundred and fifty quid in total because I got free games with it and a second. I pack. justified my purchase because I was like, it's got a cell processor, which doesn't even <laughs> exist anymore. That's uh, how I justified well, it. For, for me it was because it was backwards compatible earlier. But well I'll grab those. I've still got a few games to finish, so yeah, it's great. I didn't know how barren that first bloody year would be first. <laughs> So, so. Not bad. That was quite a lot. And at six hundred dollars, it was still the cheapest Blu-ray players you can buy. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a lot deal for free games. I'm sure I paid less than that. You uh, <laughs> did? I don't know. It was a lot of money. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I know. I went to Game and bought mine from there. Oh no, I got it in um, Choices, which is now oh. non-existent. 
yeah it's like yeah i went there were... i was there launch day sat there yeah. i just moved into my flat when i got it uh i had um i was working at the pub around then as i said and uh God, most of my early PS3 days are mainly counteracted by the pub and working in a pub, and it's it's very damaging to your psyche <laughs> working in a pub. Um, Man, yeah, I remember the day. I was... Just reminds me, I got my PS3 when I was moving into a flat, then got my PS4 yeah. when I left that flat and moved into a new flat. Oh wow! <laughs> right. So when I move next, you'll know that the PS5's coming out. Strangely enough, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you tell you what, so, no, I didn't move, yeah, I moved out not long after, yeah. I had just moved back home when I got the PS3, and I think by the time I got my second PS3, I'd, uh, in all that time, I'd just sort of moved on and everything. I've, I've, had, quite, I've had quite a few PS3s. I only had two, and it, yeah, I only had two because the first one, I lived in this uh, yeah. I lived above a pub, and all we did was smoke and drink, and well, the place was covered in ash and dust. So, because we never had time to clean anything, because you just did so many long hours, yeah. and you got out of it and thought, "Sod this! I don't really want to go doing any cleaning." And um, yeah, but it was rent free. It was a shithole, but it was rent free. Still, my favourite memory is coming up after a long night shift, sitting down on the game I'd left pause all day, and noticing there was a pigeon sitting on top of the telly. It was like, oh wow. All right, mate. <laughs> so, that picture like... looks realistic. <laughs> so... <laughs> anyway, guys, I think we should wrap it up because we've already got yeah, we, quite a... We, we were it's just... almost uh, two hours. Yeah, we, we've done all the main wrapping up. Yeah. We were waiting for you to say your, okay. uh, your uh, okay. shout-outies. Okay, um, thanks to Phoenix Sound Radio, thanks to Klaus, thanks to Samus Ragebond, thanks to anyone who's got to an hour of 56 minutes of us talking. And it's yes, about PS3. not long till Fantasy <laughs> 15. Woot. Yes. That, yes. Yeah, that's all my shout outs. Fantastic. Yes, I too would uh, thank you for your patience. Um, I hope you've enjoyed what we talked about and shouting at how wrong we are about things. That That is the law of the internet. We are allowed to do this. Um, hey, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us what we should have talked about more. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. If you uh, if you tell us, that's the way it works. Okay, that was episode 144, the PlayStation Free Special. Uh, so, do yourself a favour, play one of your favourite PS3 games this week, and uh, revel in the memories of the good stuff, not the fact that it was a really expensive console and yeah. almost killed Sony. And yeah, I will leave you with Ben, of course, to end the show. Um. I can't think of anything, so I'm just going to say thank you for listening and I hope you have a good week. Not long till Fantasy 15! <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Cannot wait. Uh, yeah, I spent 190 quid, so I can't wait. <laughs>